Hi, 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 and welcome back to Blush You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. My name is Callie and I am your co-host and I'm here with little baby hummingbird who has a constant migraine, Elise. Hi. Do you still have it? It's a little better. I literally drugged myself this morning. I drank coffee. I laid in the dark with my headache patch and neck wrap and I went to acupuncture and then I got a detox drink. So it'll be a miracle if I make it through this podcast without shitting my pants because something's probably brewing, but it's fine. Your body's trying to detox. Yeah. I think, I honestly think that that's my issue. My body just like doesn't like anything foreign and it also doesn't know how to detox anything that's not foreign. So it just stays and then my body gets angry and then I have a migraine for 10 days. Yeah. Again, I don't think my body minds any of that shit. It's like, yeah, bring it on, bring it on. I I like wish that my body was like, like welcoming the challenge, but it's like, actually, no, we would like less. Let's do less of that. (laughs) Um, I wasn't aware that we had an assignment. (laughs) This is your body. Okay. Share with me your sparkle. Okay. Um, so Carl and I did a little family photo shoot last weekend with our two dogs, Millie and Lucy. And it was just fun to like get, dressed up and, you know, get pictures and then us look through all of them. And the reason that this is my sparkle is because we have, we had scheduled a shoot like that three times, because every time we got pregnant, we were like, oh my God, we're going to announce, schedule it in advance. Cause our photographer that we love always books out months in advance. And then we've had to cancel literally three times. And so I was just thinking, I have so many picture frames in my house that are empty that I just leave the leave the picture that target puts in it like a psychopath. And so we have so many pictures in our house that literally have pictures of France or random ass buildings or whatever. And so, um, Carl's mom actually came to visit and she was like, it's really weird that you have all these frames and you don't have any like pictures that are relevant to you in them. And I was like, you know what? fuck it. I'm just going to schedule this shoot and we're just going to have it. And it's going to be me and Carl and our two dogs because we're a family unit without a baby. And so my sparkle is if you've been wanting to, like, you don't have to wait for everything to fall into place and be exactly the way that you want it in order to do the things that you want to do. Like, it was so fun for us to like pick out our outfits and go there and take pictures. And now we have all of them or printing them and putting them everywhere. So don't wait. If you want to do things, you don't need to have things be exactly the way that you want them to be. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I mean, I agree with you, but I, you know, what's interesting is I thought about this and I was like, I don't even know whenever we do conceive, if I'm going to announce at all, because I know that that's so triggering for other people now. Yeah. And so And so I'm just not really sure if that's something that I'm, I don't know, even planning on doing what, how do you feel about that? Well, you're also like more of a private person on your page, right? Like, I feel like you would announce to social media, right? Like that's what people do. And so I think I'm for sure going to announce because I just feel like it's been a long time coming and whatever it finally happens for us, we're all having a fucking party together, but 
Um, yeah, I know someone who is pregnant through IVF and she's not announcing and she's not doing like a gender reveal. She's kind of just like, you know, it's IVF takes the surprise out of a lot of things. And so I think, you know, she wants to choose how she handles the rest of her pregnancy and announcements and things like that. So, I mean, I think to each their own, whatever. Oh, totally. I'm not shaming anyone who announces. The funny thing is announcements don't trigger me. I don't care if other people are pregnant. I'm like, good, great. Good for you. Like, yay. And, and I'm used to things to, I'm used to being behind in not in terms of like necessarily like life milestones, but the, the common ones like marriage. Right. I was like a grandma walking down the aisle at 29, which is hysterical because 29 is not old. And 29 is a, in a lot of areas, a young age to get married. Um, but in terms of the Texas population. I mean, I had my walker (laughs) going down, walking down the aisle and, you know, Andrew and I had been together for five years by the time we got married. So like some people were like, hashtag finally. And I was like, the fuck, like that's one that doesn't offend me, but two, that would easily offend someone else. So can you please shut up with your dumb opinions? Uh, but I'm, I'm used to being, later in the game. So it's not lost on me that I'm one of the last ones. And in terms of my peers in Texas to have a kid. So I'm used to all these pregnancy announcements and it like, doesn't affect me. Cause I'm like, yeah, that tracks that I would be one of the last ones. Like that's kind of how this has always been. So it's weird. I've thought about that. I mean, not a lot, but I'm just like, yeah, I mean, I know I'm on Reddit enough and I see these other women like absolutely losing their shit whenever someone else in their network announces. And I'm like, I just really don't, I know too much now. I don't want to be that person who posts. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, how many days did I just ruin by announcing my good news? And I know that it shouldn't be about that. And I should be able to do whatever I want and not worry about it. But like, I don't even think I would get a ton of satisfaction out of posting in the first place. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's not a big deal to me. I think that makes sense for sure, because I I never thought of it that way. But yeah, I mean, well, I don't want to plant that. I feel bad. Maybe I shouldn't plant that seed in your mind because you are so public. And I think not announcing would be so counteractive to who you are. Like that would just be odd if you have, you're, you're like literally doing, taking your shots on Instagram (laughs) stories, but then you don't announce when everything works out. It's like, what an anticlimactic situation. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm absolutely going to post. And I would probably just write something like, if this is triggering for you, like I've been there and I love you and it's happening for you sometime soon. But I think Carl and I actually had the conversation because I was so public about posting like the shots and all of that. Like, would I be public in posting about like transferring? And Carl was actually very firm about not wanting Mm -hmm. to do that. And so I'm going to respect his boundaries. Initially I was like, yeah, screw it. Let's just do it. Whatever. I'm like being public about the whole thing. Like totally fine. I want to like walk people through that process too, but just with our you know, I forget that Carl's in this process too. And I forget that he also has feelings and that he also has had three child losses. And Mm -hmm. so it's, you know, we're not gonna, that'll be a surprise. So whenever it does happen, hopefully manifesting 2022, we go and post and we go post big and it's going to be a celebration. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have seen that a lot of women too are like, well, it doesn't bother me because she's been so open about her story. And I love it when people add caveats about, oh, I, I had 
I struggle with infertility or what is it like a rainbow baby, which is yeah. a live birth after a miscarriage, like all that stuff. And I found that that doesn't trigger as many people because they know that they're in it together. What like really bothers me. And this is just because it's none of my business is when people are like, whoops, yes, this wasn't expected. I'm like, that is not my business. And it's not even that it pisses me off that I'm like, Oh, whoops. Like I accidentally fucked my husband and then I got pregnant. It's like, okay. But it's, it's also like, ew, I don't need to know that. Like gross. You know, what really pissed me off and was like, I just was rolling my eyes to the back of my head is during like quarantine where people were like quarantine baby. Like we didn't socially distance from each other. And I was just like, cool. That's cool. Ew, I never saw I one of those. Otherwise I would mute because I'd be like, gross. Like again, like this is TMI. It's none of my business. I don't need to know how many cycles you like. I don't need to I don't need to know this stuff. It weirds me out when people tell me this and I'm like, I don't know your middle name. So you should probably not be sharing this with me. <laughs> I love you, Cal, because this is weird. But uh, I love what you said about forgetting that Carl's in this process too. Cause sometimes I forget that Andrew's in it. And then sometimes I, I I'm hyper aware of it and what really, okay. I don't, I can't say really because that's exaggerating, but what was interesting to me and minorly pissed me off is when people like said like, oh, are you okay? But Andrew's there to support you. And I'm like, Andrew needs support. Mm are you serious? Like we're both going through this and we're leaning on each other, like the leaning tower of Pisa. And we're trying to stabilize here, but it would be nice if other people like, uh, you know, some people are coming to my rescue and like really being there for me, but I'm like, hello, like, it's not just me. It would be great if you checked in on both of us or viewed this as something we were both going through. Now, granted, most of the time, Andrew's not allowed to have feelings about this. So Cause I'm like, I can't handle, I can't handle it. If you also have anxiety about this, like only one of us can be super anxious about this, Yeah. but it, it is interesting. Um, it's just, it's tough to remember because they're not putting shots in their stomach and going mm-hmm. to the mother freaking doctor's office every single day and dealing with the fact that their bodies are changing. That's like when people say we're pregnant, I'm like, bitch, there's only one of you that's pregnant. <laughs> That's so true. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it, but I also feel like men don't have, isn't it like men's health month? I keep seeing posts on Instagram about it, but I, I think- have decided to officially not acknowledge any of the national days or months, unless it's something like legit, like, no, I don't know. <laughs> Black history month is like super freaking important. Or like June happens to be a very LGBTQ friendly month because of all the prides, but like otherwise like national enchilada day, like, nope, 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 nope. Like we're done. There's a day for everything truly. But I do think that there's a need for support within men going through fertility for sure. Or at least just having friends that you can talk to and connect with. And well, absolutely. Because furthermore, okay, this is interesting. And then I promise I will get to my sparkle, but I think that fertility has been very much how do we put this under the guise of the patriarchy? (laughs) And I know stick with me. Okay. This is not going to be a huge feminist rant. Okay. It might be, but research has been solely focused on the egg for years. I'm talking years and years and years and years. And so the narrative has been, it is usually the woman 
and the woman's quality of eggs and her age. And she's an old ass bag of bones. And so her time is past and she's got all these issues and whatever. So naturally with the shift in sexual politics, if you will, doctors have stepped up to the plate and there have been a lot more research focused on what factors sperm plays. And I'm like, yeah, it's 50%. You fucking idiots. Yeah, <laughs> Of course it's 50%. There's an egg and there's sperm. There's only two things coming together to do this. So yeah, it's beyond me. While the bulk of the research, I would say probably 80 to 90% focused on the female. And then there was just not much about the male factor at all. And so now all this research is coming out going, whoops, we have totally ignored 50% of the equation here for years. And so we're trying to catch up, but basically that male factor infertility is a much more prevalent thing than previously realized. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, because it makes sense back in the day, it was like, well, men produce enough sperm to, you know, mate with a million armies and they keep reproducing it. So there can't be anything wrong with it. Cause it's always new and men yeah. can have babies when they're 70 and women can't. So it's the woman. Yeah. And they're now realizing, oops, that's not entirely true. So now men are also saddled with, Hey, not only is this really tough and I know you wanted a kid last year, but it also might be partially your fault. Yeah. Yep. Totally. I don't know if their fragile little egos can handle that. I know. Well, even, I mean, I feel like even doctors today are still like working off the outdated. They are. Yeah. It's like, even my doctor told Carl and I, it was like, yeah, usually abnormal embryos come from the egg. And I'm like, but what if they don't, what if, what if it's not, you know, like getting all defensive and shit. Totally. That's the narrative that was told to me too. When I was, even when I was 26, it was like, Oh, it was your eggs. I was like, how the fuck do you know that? sorry, but you don't know that there's no way, you know, that. And if you do know that, please give me proof, please yes. show me the evidence yes. in which that happened. So it's just so fascinating how so everything is affected by a male lens. Yep. And it's borderline infuriating. And I'm glad that we're just now going, whoops. Yeah, maybe. I mean, even my Dr. Um, Carrie, who, you know, I love, uh, mentioned like, yeah, there's like a lot more to sperm than we thought. And it's like, you think? So anyway, not that I have a solution for this, but. <laughs> but it's nice to bitch about it. Just, just a comment. Uh, okay, I'll get into my sparkle really fast. So my sparkle is trust your intuition. Mm. I am one of those people that works off of my intuition a lot. I have like my gut instinct. I go with it. Some people might say that's impulsive and I would challenge them and say, you're probably right. But nonetheless, I tend to go with my gut. And then what happens is when I'm knee deep in my gut reaction, I backtrack and then I'm like, wait, what about all these facts that I ignored? Oh shit. I didn't know this at the time. Does that change it? Maybe I should have waited a little bit longer. Oh my God. I don't know. And I start to deviate from the plan a little bit and get really logical about things like hyper logical about them. Yep. And for the most part, I spin my wheels out and still arrive at the same conclusion. It's just that I don't feel as confident about the conclusion that I was previously at. So it's like, great. I'm still doing exactly what I was doing before. I just feel shitty about it. Yeah. So I don't know how to stop doing this. I think part of it is just turning your brain off and just trusting the process. But at the same time, 
it's really important to not be on autopilot with big decisions and big life moves. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I think intuition should hold more value than we give it. Meaning Mm. if you make an intuitive decision, that should count, that should have more weight than the logic on the, you know, extremities looking in being like, did you think about this? So I think that might help me. I'm still trying to learn how to do that, but I'm just realizing I'm making myself sick over little things that I don't need to, because I knew the answer three weeks ago. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that our intuition is never off truly. Like that's like Glennon Doyle talks about like your deep knowing. I think that's like, you know, you tap into that and you rely on that, but then the anxiety kicks in and it's like, well, what if you're wrong? What if it's something else? What if you're missing a piece to the puzzle? And that's the anxiety that gets in your head and causes you to like need logic and facts to back up your gut feeling. And that's where you get confused and worked stressed out. Yeah. I think it's because traditionally that's doing things backwards. If you look into how you're supposed to quote, make a decision, you're supposed to look at all your options, weigh the pros and cons, do your research, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And then decide, okay, I'm going to go with option A over option B. And instead what intuition does is it's option A. And then you're like, great, I'm going to go with option A. And then option B is like, read about me, but you've already made the decision to go with option A. Yep. And so it's, you know, in my opinion, I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing it backwards. I didn't spend enough time. I should have slowed down. I should have done all my due diligence, but I probably still would have chosen option A. I just would have known about the opportunity cost of not choosing option B. And so I'm learning about my opportunity cost after I've already made my decision. How forked up is that? Maybe that's the universe like testing you, which I know you and the universe are like in a little bit of a tiff right now. She can stub a toe. (laughs) Does the universe have toes? If she doesn't, then she can break a finger. (laughs) But yeah, you know what I'm saying? I like, I think that, I don't know. I think I can think back on so many times where I knew, I knew the right, like I knew the answer. And then I felt like I was being tested. Like, So I don't change my mind. That's the dumb part. I never change my mind. I just make myself sick in the process and learn way too many things and have too much knowledge that my brain has no business knowing. Maybe we should have like a safe word. And you like, whenever you are doing that, you're like, say like kettle corn or something. And I'm like, bitch, put your phone down. I know. I know. I'm going to stop. Maybe it can be hootie. Hootie? Hootie. Okay, I like that. Owl, like a hoot. I don't know. Or hootie and the blowfish. I don't know why that came to mind. Okay. Let's get into today's letter, which we forgot to tell you, but we're talking about (laughs) infertility because you've never heard us talk about this before. So this is like brand new, but in our defense, someone wrote into us about this. So it's not like us steering the ship. Okay. I'm going to read it. Are you ready? Yep. We're ready. Dear Blush. I've been meaning to write in for a while, but I've been scared to do so out of fear that I'll trigger both of you. However, lately it's gotten so unbearable that I knew I needed to get some feedback. So here it is. I'm in the initial stages of of the realization that I might be infertile and I'm freaking the fuck out. How does anyone deal with this? 
My husband and I have been trying for 10 cycles. Oh yeah. She is educated. She's saying cycles and not months. Mm -hmm. So we are getting close to that year mark. Everyone talks about, I'm resisting the urge to make an appointment with a fertility doctor, because then that would make it real. It would mean that my husband and I cannot conceive naturally and that we will be in for a hellish ride. I know 10 months isn't long, isn't a long time relatively, but this is weighing on me. Every month I have to track ovulation, temp, make sure my husband and I can sync up at the right times. And then each month I am left feeling defeated and heartbroken. I try not to let it get to me and live my life. But now that the realization is coming to a head, I'm terrified. I guess my question is, what are my next steps? You two talk a lot about being your own advocate. Yes, we do. But I'm confused as to what I'm supposed to be advocating for. That's fair. Do I need to push for certain tests? Are there things I need to be doing now to set myself up for a better experience? And aside from the logistics, how do I emotionally cope with this and not feel the weight of the world on my shoulders with every failed cycle? I constantly feel like a failure and I'm starting to become bitter. Furthermore, how do I deal with other people's successes being shoved in my face? I am bombarded by pregnancy announcements at least once a week. And while not all of our friends have children yet, I'm scared I'm going to be the last one to get pregnant. I've always been the supportive friend and cheerleader for everyone else, but now it feels different. I actively feel like I'm rooting against people or not happy for them at all. I hate the person I'm becoming and I'm terrified. It's just going to get worse. Please help from infertile Myrtle. I love the name little Myrtle. I have so many thoughts. I have so many thoughts. I don't even know where to get started, which is probably what infertile Myrtle feels like too. I, I, and the funny thing is this is not how I approached my infertility journey at all. And I don't relate to probably 70% of this letter. That does not mean that I can't help. I can, and Elise can too, but Elise, this is giving me strong you vibes. Yeah, no, for sure. I like, (laughs) definitely see lots of parallels. Um, Did you have avoidance in the beginning of your journey? I don't know this about you. Actually, I didn't, which is, that was the first, I highlighted that because I was like, I don't understand people not wanting to go to the doctor because of fear of what they're going to find out. I'm one of those people who I need, I need answers. I, and then maybe that's because of my chronic health journey, but like, I can't sit in the in-between of like, well, maybe there is an issue. Maybe there isn't like, I just need you to slap the fucking issue on me. And then I can like cry about it and deal with it. So I don't, I didn't really, I don't understand people like that because I feel like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to know? And I know that there's people out there that exist, obviously infertile Myrtle is one of them, but it's like, regardless of the circumstance or the issue, if you even are dealing with an issue, like it's still going to be an issue regardless of if you have awareness about it or not. So why wouldn't you just want to have the awareness about it? So then you could come up with a plan, right? Like this, like pushing off. I don't get, well, I would imagine that fertility is a strong part of some women's identity that they have always envisioned that they will get pregnant naturally easily, which by the way, getting pregnant naturally is a trigger term on Reddit. So you say unassisted or unmedicated. I hope I'm not offending anyone using that term, but again, I don't really get offended by that much. Uh, so yeah, I could imagine that if that is part of your identity, that going and getting confirmation that that's no longer the case, 
could be scary. I could imagine also wanting to hold on for those last two months, because just for anyone who's not familiar with this, if you are under the age of 35, so I'm assuming she is just because she used that year benchmark, but if you are under the age of 35, they the medical community strongly encourages you to try, quote, unassisted for 12 cycles or one year. Sometimes that lines up. I have shorter cycles, TMI, sorry. So that would be less than a year for me. But if the average cycle is 28 to 30 days, then you're looking at 12 cycles for 12 months. And furthermore, insurance typically does not cover tests or any sort of assessments until you've hit that year mark. Mm -hmm. Yes, you could go in and lie, I guess, but you know, I don't know why necessarily you'd want to do that. If you have every reason to believe that waiting a year, you know, might give you the results that you want. If you are over the age of 35 or have a known issue, like a lot of women have endometriosis, um, some, uh, there's a lot of, you know, cancer survivors or other people who had intense surgeries or illnesses when they were younger. And so they know that it might impact, they say, give it six months. So 35 and up six months, and then anyone else with an underlying condition that they already know about and insurance normally kicks in for that. So I, the avoidance I'm assuming is due to fear, right. Of getting information that directly contradicts part of her identity. Yeah. And I, I'm just like, I'm reflecting back on like what feels like decades ago in our like first initial appointment. And I remember being not disappointed so much as like excited that I, I think my disappointment was where like, I went into the process thinking IVF was going to be a sure thing that we were going to, that IVF gave me certainty in a timeline of when I would have a child as compared to like conceiving naturally quote unquote, didn't feel so certain. And that was my bad because like IVF is not a guarantee, but it, that was, that was different for me compared to this letter writer. Cause I was more eager to like get in there and have a doctor be like, oh yeah, you're going to be pregnant in two months. You know, like that's what my doctor told me. So it was, ex- it was an exciting process for me. But if your doctor tells you you're going to be pregnant in two months, red flag. I agree. My doctor was always like, let's get you pregnant. We're going to get you pregnant. We'll get you pregnant. And I was like, <laughs> not as easy as it seems, huh? <laughs> so, I mean, I understand that I, I do need a little bit of optimism with doctors. Cause otherwise I'm like, wow, I'm, you know, this is hopeless. So, but notice that she says hellish ride, which means she's either been listening very closely to this mm. podcast or she's got friends who have gone through this and it hasn't done well. So just know that everyone responds differently to fertility treatments. Everyone has their own coping mechanisms. And if you go into it thinking it's going to be bad, I don't know, maybe I guess it'll turn out okay. And then you'll be relieved. I, I don't really know. I, I don't, that's the only benefit I can think of unless you surpass your own expectations, but it doesn't necessarily have to be horrible. I mean, you know what? And this is just like being super realistic, like honest, every single person that I know personally who has gone through IVF, except for you, Callie and me mm-hmm. has had a very easy time. One cycle, get multiple embryos, first transfer, you're pregnant. Now you have a baby that's healthy and perfect. And your family's complete. Callie and I are not the typical average cases. I would say, you know, like I think for the most part, every single person that I know who has gotten any sort of 
help with a reproductive endocrinologist has had a seemingly, I don't know, I don't want to like minimize it, but like has had an easy ride. Like well, Callie an and I- ex- An expected ride. Yes, totally expected. That's a perfect word for it. Yeah, expected. I have a few friends who've had a pretty horrible journey. So I knew I, before you, I I've known people who have been on the IVF journey for years and years and it scared me. Uh, I under, I understand that this is not the ideal situation we can get there, but the sooner you can accept that and know what you're dealing with the Mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. So here's what we, Oh, and by the way, the tracking ovulation temping, like, honestly, this is going to sound crazy, but me going to, as Elise mentioned, a reproductive endocrinologist, please don't go see your OBGYN, skip no. that step. Oh if my you, God. Don't do it. If you have to get a referral to see a reproductive endocrinologist, which I didn't, I thought I did. So I went to my OBGYN. She was zero help. In fact, she pissed me off so much that I'm never going to go see her again. Like relationship ruined because yeah. she was just so stupid. And so I, I can't ever see her again, but if you need a referral, fine. Like, and you'll know from your insurance, if your insurance requires a referral or if they don't, but most of the time they don't. So you can just do your own research and find one. And you know what I would say? I so wish that, and I've given this advice to every other person who has started IVF after me, talk to multiple and endo- reproductive endocrinologists before you choose one, like interview them, meet with them, see if your values align, see if they, you know, like, I think we just went to the first appointment and we were like, yep, you know what you're doing. Let's do this. And that we had so many red flags with our first doctor and he was the absolute fucking worst. And I felt that in my gut, but I was like, they all probably are the same, right? Like they, they, it's just a standard protocol that they just, my lack of knowledge in the arena of fertility, I think played a big role in that. But I would just, my first tip would be like set up meetings with three or four different doctors and then talk to them, ask them questions, let them be, the people who help you start getting the initial pieces of this. So you don't feel so lost and overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And you can go to fertility IQ. They have reviews. Of yes. people. I also think the first step in my opinion would be to look at your insurance and if fertility, if you have fertility coverage, then you need to go see who is in network. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, like I know with my insurance, if you recall that awful story, I could only work with a clinic that was an quote Institute of excellence. Turns out there's only one in Los Angeles. So I was limited to one, unless I wanted to pay out of pocket, which I did not. The, the good thing, and this is kind of crazy, but this is a silver lining here. If insurance doesn't cover anything, then you can go to anyone you want because it doesn't make a difference. You're going to have to pay for this out of pocket regardless. So you might as well go to your favorite and the one you trust the most and everything. If you have insurance, that's incredible because obviously you don't have to pay for as much and you get assistance, but you might be limited in who you can see. So first, that's the first thing I would do. But but what I was actually saying, and we're going to switch, we're not going to say reproductive endocrinologist this entire podcast because for the love of God. So when we say RE, RE, that's what we're saying. Reproductive endocrinologist. That is a hormone specializing doctor in fertility. Okay. So 
that's, that's clear that up. Do not go to your OBGYN. They don't know what they're talking about. They know how to deliver babies and they know what happens when you are pregnant. They don't know how to get you pregnant. So no. please don't even go there. If you go to your OBGYN, she's like, I'll give you Clomid and not monitor you run, just run out the door and say, no, just yeah. REs only. But here's the thing, temping and tracking your ovulation and waiting a certain amount of time until after you've ovulated to see if you're pregnant, like that is so anxiety provoking that I actually preferred it when I went to an RE because I could stop doing that. I didn't have to do that anymore. Someone was giving me instructions, telling me what to do. It was their job. I would come in for blood tests or I would come in for a, you know, an ultrasound. I'm not saying those are comfortable, but it was nice to kind of say, okay, I'm not the only one in charge of this anymore. And I have someone who's taking some control off my shoulders, which I know we all want to be in control, but after 10 months of, of managing this and tracking your every move, it's too much. It gets to the point where it's just so exhausting that ironically, it might feel like a relief to go and get a professional in the mix. I also want to do like a little reframe that I learned. I, I started this, I guess it's a course, a fertility course. It's called the seed fertility and it's, um, created by an acupuncturist and like holistic herbalist. And she's just amazing. I actually talked to her on the phone once and she's really cool. Her name's Danica Thornberry, I think is her last name, but she that created- sounds made up. Is it? No, I have <laughs> no I'm just saying if my name was her Danica name- Thornberry, I would also have like some interesting <laughs> fertility course. She's like, she's very wonderful. I know for sure her first name is Danica, but Thornberry could, I could have just pulled that out of my ass, but I'll, I'll double check. Um, but she created this course and it's called the seed fertility. And it talks, it walks you through kind of like how to eat, depending on what stage of your cycle you're in supplements to take all of, you know, it kind of preps you if you're about to go through IUI or which is artificial insemination or, um, IVF. And so it's really a great program. And I've, really enjoyed it. But one of the things that I thought of in reading this letter is she talks about the disappointment and feeling defeated and heartbroken every time you get your period, right? Like that's a sign of it didn't work, right? That's a sign that you're a failure, fill in the blank of whatever insecure thought or anxious thought you have in your mind. And she reframed it. A huge part of her program is mindset work, which Callie and I talked about this when I first started it, but, um, she talks about when you get your period, instead of looking at that as like a loss or feeling defeated or heartbroken, or like it was a failure to look at it as a new opportunity for a new cycle. And, and that means that your body's actually working, right? Like if you, if you get a period, that means that your body's actually ovulating and you're actually going through the, you know, follicle phase and luteal phase and all the things that your body needs to be doing in order to be able to conceive. So I think maybe that reframe and that, you know, just perspective shift might be helpful because I do think mindset plays a huge role. I don't think it necessarily impacts your outcome, but I do think that it helps with your sanity in the process. Yeah, probably does. I think this whole thing is triggering as hell. And she keeps saying that 10 months isn't that long. I don't know. 10 months kind of sounds like a long time to me. I get that there are other women who have been in the fertility, you know, journey for years, at least, but 
that doesn't mean that 10 months isn't a long time. And so having a healthy mindset is definitely going to help you feel, you know, more prepared and more confident throughout this journey. Okay. So let's get to her question. So what are my next steps? One, check your insurance Two, research REs in your area. See if you need a referral from them, please skip your OBGYN again. And as Elise said, maybe interview a few, Mm -hmm. uh, Two, you talk a lot about being your own advocate, but I'm confused as to what I'm supposed to be advocating for. Do I need to push for certain tests? Yes. Okay. So let's get into this. You need to know what your AMH is. I forget what this stands for, but it's basically a measurement of your ovarian reserve. This is going to tell you how much time you have. If you have a low number for your age, you need to hop to it. If you have a medium or high number, you're fine. The pressure is off. I understand you want a baby tomorrow, but you probably have five years to figure this out. You're going to be fine. Uh, your FSH, this is basically the gas trying to get you to ovulate in your body. If it's high, it's a sign that you have a diminished ovarian reserve. So FSH and AMH go in, uh, they, they're connected together. You need to get these tests done on day three of your cycle at the latest day four. So you need to time this out and understand that if you go see your doctor, you know, in the later phase of your cycle, you're going to need to go back because you need Mm -hmm. to know what these numbers are. I also suggest looking at your thyroid because thyroid health is a huge component of fertility health. If your thyroid is out of whack, it's going to throw everything else out of whack. You want it below a 2.5 per conception. Personally, I think it needs to be around a one, 1.5. If you can get around there. So mine was a little high. It wasn't actually that crazy because most of the time doctors are going to tell you if it's below a 4.0 or a 5.0, you're fine. That's bullshit. You actually want it a lot lower than that for fertility purposes. Okay. Um, if it's not working right, there are plenty of women who've gotten pregnant unassisted with, you know, higher thyroid and it worked out for them and that's fine, but it's not working for you. Right. So we need to figure out what's going on. I would also get a full blood panel to see what your, you know, B vitamins look like, your vitamin D, um, your iron, everything to see if anything is out of whack. So we can kind of look and see where your levels are and then immediately get your husband's sperm tested. Like Mm. immediately. In fact, I would maybe do that even before you go because it's so cheap and it's not invasive at all all. So do that. They're like a hundred bucks. And then if you want to do a DNA frag test, those are a little bit more expensive, but I think it's probably worth it from personal experience. So, I mean, all he has to do is like jizz in a cup and then you're done. Like, (laughs) so just have him go do that. Um, last, you want to know what your AFC is. This is your, what is it called? Antricle follicle count. So basically how many eggs are you producing per month. So this is from my friend who is an RE. So I am not this smart that I knew this on my own, but I'm going to explain to you how this works. If y'all were expecting like a mindset, spiritual podcast, I'm so sorry, but we're just going to get into the nitty gritty because too many women go through this process and don't know what the f- anything is yep. like we need to know. So your body recruits a certain amount of follicles per month. Some women, especially those with PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. If you're ovulating monthly, you probably don't have this, but you might, um, they might have like 40 follicles per month, which is a lot. Um, most people have like, I don't know, 15 to 20 probably. And then some, if it's fewer than that, that's also fine. Elise's and I are both definitely fewer than that, but we're, we're still in the game. Okay. So 
your body recruits, let's say 15 follicles per month and you go and you do an ultrasound and you see 15, then your body says, we're going to pick the best one and we're going to volunteer it as tribute. Sometimes if you have a certain gene, it'll ovulate two, but most of the time it's just one. And they say, this is the best one. Please get pregnant. And then you do the stuff. Hopefully it works. Remember your little fertilized thing goes to your tubes. It tries to implant. And then if it implants and all goes well, you're pregnant. So what happens to those other 14 eggs? They die. They just die. Isn't that like so crazy that your body's like, these 14 could be good. Actually, this one's the best of the 14. And then the rest die. Do you know what's even crazier? You have your eggs, all of your eggs for your entire life when you are literally an egg in your mom, like your grandma, your grandma, you had all it's wild. It's literally wild. I saw something that was like, when your grandma was pregnant with your mom and she had the egg that was you and you had all your eggs, that would be your, it's like crazy. When you're born, you literally have every single egg that you will have for the rest of your life. I know it's wild. So I was born with fewer is what I've decided because when I was 26, my levels were pretty shit at 26. Uh, so I think my body was like, so we're going to get pregnant when we're 16 and it's going <laughs> to be great. <laughs> and then the narrator was like, she did not get pregnant when she was 16 and it was not great. So that's where I'm at. I am a, pr- but it makes sense because anytime I exercise, I like puff up as if like a bear is chasing me. So I think my body is just like, it's still the prehistoric times. Right. Right. Nope. No bitch. <laughs> we're in modern times so we again did not understand the assignment so those are all the things you really need to know none of these things are going to dictate whether or not you can get pregnant you will probably be fine my other thought is that depending on what you want to do and how aggressive you want to be you can try smaller steps to get pregnant which normally involve clomid with timed intercourse so you take a pill makes you crazy it probably enlarges i don't know anywhere between 2 and 4 of your let's just say 15 follicles so instead of you know putting one up for tribute it puts two or four or two to four and then hopefully that works and it's just the same you go do your thing at home hopefully it works Apparently that only boosts your chances, like maybe 10%. Mm -hmm. And then, or you can do IUI, which is when you actually get the sample of your husband's stuff and it's the turkey baster method, but it's done in an office. And so they think that if they can boost it past your cervix, then maybe you get a better chance. Mm -hmm. I think that only increases it like maybe another 5%. So these are kind of lower things that you can do. They don't cost as much. They're not as invasive, but they really don't boost your chances very much. And a lot of people are starting to think that it's all just a waste of money. I'm not trying to say that it doesn't ever work. There are plenty of women who've gotten pregnant using Clomid and IUI or just one or the other. It happens, but statistically speaking, it won't happen for you. And I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. It's just, that's what the math says. And once I looked at that math, I was like, why do I think I'm special? (laughs) This is not going to be me. So that's why Andrew and I decided, okay, we could sit here and do this little dance and try all the little things and waste money and eat into our insurance because we have a lifetime max, uh, which means once we spend it, it's gone. So we decided to use you know, the most money we can towards the thing that's going to give us the best chance. Could Andrew and I get pregnant 
unassisted, honestly, maybe it just might take three years. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, it's like, do I really want to put myself through three years of misery, not knowing if it's going to work or not? I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to say that Andrew and I could not get pregnant unassisted. Elise and Carl might be able to as well. You never know. But the thing I mean, is, is it's just like the chances are so slim, like yeah. so slim. And I think lightning has to strike five times in order for that to happen. And it's also, this is a timing thing. Like we are not able to stay in our fertile years forever. So it is a huge risk. So I want you to think about that because it's not that your body can't do what it's supposed to do. Women who are quote, not supposed to get pregnant, get pregnant every day. Couples who are completely quote infertile, who have all these issues, it happens just statistically. It's not going to happen for you. And I, I needed to hear that early on in my journey so that I didn't beat myself up about thinking, did I push too quickly? Did I do this too fast? Elise, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I think about that all the time of like, I still, it's, it's wild to me how people have sex and can have a baby. But I do think that when you're, when you face a lot of disappointment, especially in the fertility world and your journey has been really long, I think it's easy to kind of get into like a fixed mindset about things. And like, you're right. Like Carl and I totally could potentially conceive naturally. It would be an absolute miracle because we got a, you know, 2% chance of conceiving naturally each cycle, but like, that doesn't mean that it couldn't happen. And I think that that's where, if you say that nothing like that will never happen, then it's never going to happen. Right. So I think just leaving the past, like the realm of possibilities is endless. And so I think that that's my, my whole approach with all of this is I think is coming back to this mindset piece that I think is really going to make or break your experience, especially if you're starting out your potential infertility journey. I think if you're going into this with a sense of urgency, with, you know, a sense of doom and gloom, feeling like it's already, you've time is already wasted and you're already behind and it's never going to happen for you because you've already tried for 10 months. And I think that that's going to make this whole thing a lot, a lot, a lot harder for you. Mm -hmm. The listener. Yes. (laughs) Not you, Callie. I'm like, just Callie. <laughs> You've never made that clarification before. That's really funny. Uh, I I agree. So I think you need to continue living with both identities still intact. Meaning, I am someone who might be able to conceive naturally. I am also someone who is smart and is going to maximize my chances. Because yes. here's what I like about certain people: I fucking love go getters. I love women who go after what they want. That doesn't mean you have to be sloppy and impulsive in your decision-making, but it is saying if you want to be pregnant right now or within the next three years, because you think that the time is right, that's the good age for you. You're nervous about waiting too much longer and you don't want to leave it up to fate. Then you have enough evidence underneath your belt to justify going to a doctor. So start taking as much control of this as you can, because As we all know, we're barely in control of any of this. But when I looked at how difficult it is to get pregnant naturally, I mean, you only have a 30% chance every cycle if you're perfectly healthy on both ends. Yeah, that's low. I think that's low. I would like a higher probability. We're like not 
a good species to reproduce, honestly. And mm-hmm. I don't, and I think that that number, that percentage has actually dropped way low, especially in the past like 10 years. Do you know why? Because they're poisoning us. Well, with our food. I mean, okay. like, I think I wasn't actually looking for that cynical of an answer. I was actually saying because sperm counts are falling across species, not yeah, but, just humans, but like animals, but you've got to think about why, like there's so many toxins and carcinogens and parabens and shit that they are not like, if you look at the, there's a list of things that are prohibited to be put in products and food in Europe, that list is like, I don't know, 10,000 items that cannot be in things. In America, there's like 800 things. Right. But my point is that it's falling everywhere across the world. Oh, it's not just localized to the United States. So So to me, well, I don't know. I mean, Uh, You could venture to guess maybe it's because we've had, you know, the population has continued to boom. And so we need to kind of slow things down if the earth isn't going to fry up like an egg on a, you know, pan. So perhaps maybe it's just nature doing its thing. I I don't know. I I really don't. I don't, I just ventured to guess, which I apologize for, because I don't fucking know. I have no idea. Yeah, but I have no idea. That's what I'm saying. It's happening across the board. And so it is tougher to get pregnant now than I think it was before. I don't know why. Or maybe it's just always been tough and people didn't have TVs. And so all they did was bang. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what it is. But I do know that I think you're going to feel better once you just pull the plug, educate yourself, sit yourself in the captain's seat and saying, I'm the captain now and I can do this shit. Also know that you're going to be very overwhelmed when you start at the starting point, like Mm -hmm. regardless of what your journey is going to look like, you don't know anything about what you like. You don't know what you don't know. And so anyone walking into this and you like, it's like you start a course and you know exactly what you're going to learn the whole course. And it's just a matter of time until you absorb all of the knowledge into your brain. Like you're going to feel overwhelmed because there's a lot of things that you're not going to know, but guess what? Every day you're learning more. And, uh, you know, Callie, Callie and I always joke, like we literally are doctors because we have taken it under our own belts to learn about every single thing that we can get books, connect with people, Facebook groups. Like the good news is, is that you have so many outlets to be able to build on your knowledge and become an expert yourself. So therefore you can be an advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. I know. I feel so bad for my doctor. I'm talking to him about three hours. I'm going to be like, you don't talk. You don't say a word. You just listen. (laughs) Cause this is is how it's going to go. I so wish it wasn't illegal to record conversations in California. Cause I would love to be a fly on the wall in that. I'm going to be like, Okay. That cycle was for you. This one's for me. (laughs) One for you. One for me. Have you heard about this protocol? I mean, poor thing. Just brace yourself. Little, little baby Andy. It's going to be a very long phone call, but I'm happy about it because I've educated myself probably too much. I do think there is a tipping point and I've crossed it, but 
it's possible. Thank love you, baby internet for giving us everything. The other thing I'm going to say is find your people who have either been through this and you trust or are going through it right now. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them on Reddit. You can probably find them at the grocery store. I'm sure, as you said, it's going to be a hellish ride. I really feel bad if it's just myself and Elise who have completely, you know, poison the well here for you, but something tells me you have personal experience with this. So, you know, someone, so I hope you're talking to them. Mm -hmm. I, I actually have a friend and this is the friend who's been going through, I mean, a horrible infertility journey for years. And when I say friend, that's kind of a loose term because she's actually one of Andrew's friends wives. And I've always really liked her. I mean, I want to emphasize this really, really liked her, but she's been incredibly distant for the past five years. And I mean, we were together in Austin and she actually lives in LA now. It's just kind of one of those weird things. And I, I kind of knew why I was like, well, she's going through it. I knew about the infertility stuff, but I also am team. I'm not going to poke her and be like, Hey, how's it going? Hey, 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 are you pregnant yet? It's like, that's not helpful. Right? Mm -hmm. So the second she heard that I was going through this, all of a sudden, because Andrew told his friend who told her, I had a text on my phone that was like, hello. <laughs> and so now we're talking and it's not because she didn't like me before or that she thought I was stupid. It's just that she couldn't relate. Her reality has become so entrenched with this horrible journey that she only wants to talk to people who get it, who get it. And I totally understand that. And so now this friendship is, is budding and I'm sure I'm going to see her soon. And we're going to be able to talk about things that we both understand. And, and you need that infertile Myrtle. You need to go find some friends who understand it. So you don't feel completely alone and isolated. Mm -hmm. I mean, that I think perfectly answers, how do you emotionally cope with this and not you know, feel the weight of the world on her shoulders, every failed cycle. Like I, I mean, Oh God, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have Callie this year, truly like this year has rocked my fucking world. And like, if I, like I, I was able to cope and process with Callie and, and she got it and she knew what I needed to hear. And she was like, literally my rock. So thank you, Callie. I love you. You're so welcome. But it, it helped. And I know you didn't wish this for me, but it helped that I all of a sudden realized, oh shit, this isn't going to be, this doesn't look good. <laughs> I, I started tracking my own stuff and was like, Hmm, I don't think that this is going to happen. <laughs> and yeah. so by the way, I marched my booty to the doctor after tracking for a year, not trying because Andrew wasn't even here for part of it. He was in Ireland. And so, but I looked at my evidence. It was like, Nope, <laughs> this is yeah. literally not possible. You say a luteal phase needs to be 14 days. What happens if yours is eight? <laughs> I, was I like, remember, I, time. I, I remember oh. our texting conversations. Yes. Oh, by the way, your cycle is broken up into the follicular phase, follicular phase. How do you say it? Or follicular phase where you like recruit, as we were talking about earlier, you recruit your eggs and you're like, which one's going to win? Woo. And it's like a war to be like the best one, the chosen one. And then the rest die. And then you ovulate. So you go, here's the egg. Boof! And then you like throw it into the air and hopefully sperm catches it. And then the later half of your phase is called the luteal phase where you're pumped up with progesterone and that's supposed to support the long journey and the implantation. And if you mm -hmm. don't have enough progesterone, which is usually dictated by the length of it. So if you have a really long luteal phase, girl, you got so much progesterone, good for you. If you have a short one like me, my progesterone is like <laughs> thinking that that's enough momentum to implant. <laughs> 
even try. You didn't, you didn't even try. Come on. A for effort. Yeah. So I looked at that data and was like, well, this is going to be tough. Uh, so, and I was right. I was right to get my booty in there because it turns out my situation was a little worse than I thought, but that's okay. So let's move on to how do I deal with people's successes being shoved in my face? To me, it is not a success to get pregnant. It is like, that's like, I don't know, having a certain hair color. It's like, good for you. You didn't really do anything to achieve that. It's like being born pretty. It's like, that's amazing. But I don't like respect you because like you didn't work for that. Like, okay. So it's never to me been something where I'm like, like, yeah, do I do, am I envious in a sense? Like, sure. It would be nice to not have to go through this, but I also know that their ability to get pregnant doesn't take away from my ability to get pregnant. Like there's not a finite amount of good pregnancy juju. So I've never really, I don't know, for some reason, like other people being successful bothers me more so than like getting pregnant. Isn't that weird? I think it's just because I'm like, you know, an ambitious little twat. So Elise, I want you to answer this because I don't really know how. I'm like, just die. Callie, you're a vibe today and I love it so much. Um, yeah, I'm definitely one of those people who feels like shit when other people get pregnant and I'm not. Um, and it's hard. And I think that my only answer for you is that it's going to fucking suck and you shouldn't blame yourself or shame yourself or attach any meaning to your feelings. Like, which took me a little bit of time because I think you feel kind of like guilty for being jealous or like, Oh, my jealousy or me not being me having some sort of emotional charge to you getting pregnant. Like, does that make me a bad person? And it doesn't, it really doesn't. And I think once you get there and it's like, my feelings are my feelings. And if you have a problem with them, then fuck you. Like that's kind of my approach with it now. Um, and it's doing me a lot of good, but I also think like boundaries would just be the answer to this. Like I say, I mean, shit, I can't tell you how many baby showers I haven't gone to or how many people I've muted on Facebook because they're pregnant or how, and that's just because that is triggering to me. That means nothing about their journey or my happiness for them. And I truly am happy for everybody who wants to get pregnant and who brings life into the world. Like that's a miracle and that's a blessing. And I'm so excited for all of that, but like, I don't need to be focusing on being happy and celebrating someone else when I am not in a good place for myself. You know, like there will be time to celebrate those kids. There will be time to celebrate those moms. And like, if I'm not even able to, like, if I don't have it in me, I don't want it to come across as inauthentic or fake. I guess that's my point, you know, like, so give honor the way that you feel and also put boundaries. Like if, you know, if you need to mute people or if I got off every single Facebook group that I was in, I had to, you know, I mean, shit, my sister-in-law and my brother got pregnant. Literally their due date was five days after Wilder's. And I haven't seen either of them except for twice. I saw Kayla and that was not because I didn't want to be supportive or not because I wasn't happy for them, but I just needed, I needed that time be seeing them and being a part of their journey was just really triggering to me. And I wasn't in a good place. And so I needed to just take a step back and that's fine. You don't have to explain your boundaries to anybody. So I think 
long-winded answer would be (laughs) boundaries. I think you just need boundaries. Check in with yourself. If you don't feel like doing something or you don't want to go to a baby shower or you don't want to, I don't want to go onto a fucking website and buy baby clothes for someone who's having a baby that is not me right now. I'm sorry. I don't want to do it. And so I'm not gonna, you know? Yeah. I just get people the jolly jumper. I don't know what that is. It's stupid. They like get in this little thing and then they bounce and parents (laughs) love it, but it's like not triggering because it's like, good. You get to have this stupid, huge ass thing in your hand. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. People do love it, but it's not triggering for me for some reason. I think clothes, no, clothes aren't either. Look, I'm weird and I'm dead inside. So it doesn't make me a good person that I'm not affected by other people's pregnancies. Like that's not what I'm trying to say at all, at all. Part of me thinks I'm just numbing out. And so that's why it doesn't affect me because my coping skills might be just numbing. I'm not sure. You might be just like, I think you're good at like compartmentalizing things also and focusing on what needs to be focused on in that moment. You know, like, I think you're good at like narrowing in on what you need to be focusing on right now. And that's like, not my skill. It's goal setting 101. Like my goal is not, my goal isn't even to get pregnant right now. Like my goal is just to survive IVF. The first part. So Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it, but I don't want you to get caught up in this. If I feel bitter and angry, I'm a bad person. And if if I'm unaffected or happy for other people, I'm a good person. That's not how this goes. I encourage you to feel bitter and angry. I feel bitter and angry all the time and it doesn't last very long at the most. It probably lasts three days. I get it out of my system. I allow myself to be bitter and angry. I don't shame myself for being bitter and angry. I'm like, yeah, this sucks. Right. And I breathe fire and that's how I cope and then it's over. And so if you're sitting here suppressing that bitterness and that anger and that jealousy and that rage, then it's just going to like be there with you always this little microdose of bitterness. And that's when you do become a shit person because no one wants to be be around that. But no one wants to be around me when I'm angry and bitter, but it's three days. I don't need to see you for three days. Like get out of my business, right? I need to see you at the most once a week. Who cares? But I also think find people who are going to hold space for you to be, I mean, shit, I literally had a panic attack and texted you earlier this week. Like, I'm not okay. And it's like, well, you said, am I a bad person? And I was like, it's so funny to me that that thought even crosses her mind. And of course I love it when Elise gets in, like, am I a bad person mode? Because then she says shit. That's like, wow. It's like, if you said this all the time, yeah, I think you might be the devil, But saying it like once, even once a week is fine. And it's so entertaining. I'm like, Ooh, what's she going to say now? It's going to be bad. Oh God. I'm clutching my pearls. Oh my God. I love it. But you have to have someone who's going to hold that space for you. And like, even now make light of shit. It's like, that's what you need. You need a squad. You need people in your life who are going to support you through all of this. So if you don't have, and you know, this kind of leads me into my next thought. A lot of people, you know, what is the statistic? Like one in eight partners, one in eight couples have an infertility journey, which I think you and I have both said, we probably think it's more, I don't, I don't more than that. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I, if I have eight friends, five of them have gone through infertility. (laughs) Shit. Same. There Um, we go. But yeah, it's like, there's probably a lot more people who are, you know, either currently going through this or will go through this at some point. And so there's the people are out there. You just have to connect with them for sure. 
Yeah. And mute everyone who's obsessed with posting their pregnancy journey. Like that's boring content. I don't want to see your stomach expand over the course of nine months. That's not interesting to me. Social media is supposed to entertain me. That's boring. Do better. So yeah, feel free to mute any of them because again, not only is it triggering for you, it's boring to me. I'm like, "Mm, snooze fest. Like, you know, give me something creative. Okay. So personally, not for me. And again, but we already know how I feel about it because I don't even know if I'm going to announce it's no one's business. Nobody's business. I need to know. I will tell you. Uh, won't be anytime soon, probably, but okay. Did we miss anything? Feel free to be bitter and angry, mute, boring people. Don't go to baby showers that are going to bother you Buy the jolly jumper because it doesn't seem to be as triggering as buying monogrammed clothing. If you are the last one to get pregnant, well, I could see how that would suck. The good news is, is you'll probably get a bunch of free shit because everyone's going to have hand-me-downs. Ooh, that's love kind that of reframe. Also, everyone will have already learned the lessons and been like, oh yeah, try and minimize screen time. Good luck. And also like, and I know this is going to be so fucking cliche and really annoying that I'm saying this, but enjoy the time. Like this time doesn't have to be super miserable. Yes, the process of, an infertility journey is miserable and it sucks and it's hard and it's expensive, but like I've really, I think this, this year I have tried to do things like I kind of put my life on hold and I was like infertility and my IVF journey is all that exists right now. And like, that's not the truth. Like I have a fucking kick-ass job. I love my clients. I love my husband. I like can travel. I can drink nice wine. You know, it's like try to lean into those things that you can do now that maybe you wouldn't be able to do if you were pregnant or you were had a child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And remember what I said a, a little bit ago, which is every failed cycle. I understand that it's a gut punch, but that wasn't your baby. Yeah. You'll get your baby. We get the babies we're supposed to have. At least that's what pretty much every mother under the sun has ever said. Like we've got enough evidence to believe that's true because I don't think any mom would be like, "Mm, I don't know about this one. I was supposed to have this baby. I was supposed to get another one. It's like, no, that's literally never happened. Yeah. And I also think too, like if you have it in your heart that you want to be a mom, like you're going to be a mom, you know, like I think like the desires of our heart are there for a reason and for a purpose. And so, you know, if if that's something that's important to you, it will happen for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I definitely agree on that. It's just the timeline. That's going to be a little, and frankly, the timeline's never what we think it's going to be anyway. So get used to that. Okay. Uh, Oh, one last thing. Stop being the cheerleader for everyone else. Like that's, they don't need that. We're all grown. It's nice to be a supportive friend, but like I don't need a pep squad cheering me on for every little thing I do. We don't need that anymore. So if that's become part of your identity or you think that's the only thing that makes you a good friend, I would reflect on that because I don't think that's true. And if you need a cheerleader yourself, come to blush. Like that's we get paid to be your cheerleader. Yeah. (laughs) Because it is a full-time job sometimes. Um, And I mean, honestly, I do. That's a good point. 
I would really consider getting yourself a therapist or a life coach now, because while we're trying to pull out the threads of positivity for what you're about to embark on, even if everything goes as expected, which as we found for the two of us, obviously didn't work. That's again, not the case for the majority of my friends who have gone through it. I've had a few, I have a few hellish cases I can point to overwhelmingly. It was like, we did a cycle. We did a transfer. Have you met Aiden yet? It's like, yeah. oh, okay. That was, that's great. That took you less than three months for everything to happen. And it worked out perfectly. Uh, no case with us. Um, but yeah, like even if it, things go as expected, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy on you. And so if you're not checking in with someone once a week, you know, again, whether that's on blush and you want to be matched with a coach who understands and gets it, and it's going to be there for you, or, you know, you think therapy would be more helpful and you just want to sit and talk and process, uh, that's great too. Whatever you think is more up your alley. I just suggest you do it now because while I think things are about to get easier for you because you're going to have answers, you're going to have someone leading the way you're going to have kind of some timelines of, of expectations kind of, uh, it's, it's still challenging. Like you're still not getting what you want tomorrow. And no matter what, as much as we say, delayed gratification is maturity. Like it still sucks. Still sucks. So those are my final thoughts. I have none. (laughs) No way. That is shocking. Okay. So if you are thinking infertile Myrtle, that maybe you want to talk to a blush coach, then use promo code blush you all caps for 25% off your first month. Remember guys to rate us in the podcast store. Is that what you, <laughs> the app store? I think It's not the app store. Cause that's where the podcast app is, whatever, rate it, rate us. You know what to do. Just find, find a way to do it and give us five stars. Damn it. Five stars. And then write into joy or shit. What's the email address? Bless you Bless at joinblush.com. Bless you at joinblush.com. It's a lot of blushes in one email address. So like I knew I was going to do it at one point and it just happened. So yeah, write to us your story. Um, let us know what's on your mind or what you want support or advice on. And yeah, I hope you guys liked this episode. I understand if you're not going through infertility, you're like, oh my God, can they talk about anything else? But chances are someone in your life is going through it right now. So I think the more information and the more awareness that we have, the better so that you don't bingo people and say things like, just relax. Mm. Mm. Ew. Mm. Ew. Don't say that. It's always strangers that say that too. I'm like, where do you get the nerve? I to say even. words like, or to even comment on someone else's fertility journey. It's mind boggling to me anyway. Okay. We're going to wrap it up before I go on another tangent. <sighs> we will see y'all next time. We love y'all. Goodbye.